Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made. From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It's the Prestige TV Podcast. My name is Bill Simmons here with Wasney Lambry, Van Lathan, Justin Sales. We're doing a Sopranos Hall of Fame episode, season five, episode five. It is called Irregular Around the Margins. It premiered April 4th, 2004. It won Emmys for Michael Imperioli and Dre DeMatteo. It, uh, it was part of the season five Emmy winning uh, season, the first one for the Sopranos. There's some, you go back and you look at the Emmys and say, so like, the practice this, speed. That's what I was about oh, to say. It's, it's like crazy. Boston Legal or some shit. It's crazy. <laughs> this year, year, season five, Gandolfini lost Best Actor to uh, James Spader in The Practice. That's the thing that actually happened. <laughs> wow. And then the biggest slight of all, Justin Sales, who ranked every episode oh, for The Ringer, he only ranked this episode 21st. Out of wow. 80, 88, something like that. 86. I, me, 86. It's Sales, this is a top 10 or 12 episode. What were you thinking? Can I defend myself? Go ahead. It's in my personal top 10. But with that list, I tried to be a little more general. I tried to speak, like I tried to take into other people's accounts and I spoke to a lot of people and they kept on convincing me, move it down and down. And here's a lesson. Always go with your gut. And I didn't. Yeah, stop stop I, listening to the plebs, Justin. I, I feel terrible. This is in my personal <laughs> top 10. I love this episode. This is like when the Knicks are like, we we wanted to trade for Dust, for Donovan Mitchell. It was in our gut, <laughs> but we just couldn't do it. Couldn't. What do were it. the justifications for moving it down? I think just people thought that other episodes were more important or better. Mm. Um, trying to spread the wealth between the seasons. Look, I think like once you get inside the top thirty, like the thirty to twenty, it's kind of hard to pick between them because there's just like there's just so many good episodes. I think I think like the top ten, like you start having like real discussions, but. I think like 30 to 20, like any of those episodes could have really been in any order. And it's just like, however, however you felt that day, however, like, you yeah. know, who, what conversations you had with somebody who convinced you to move it to wherever. Van, I think season five, and we'll get in the episode in a second. I think season five is my favorite season, hands down. Yeah, I don't even know what the number well. two season is, but this is my favorite. People, the people listening, you'll remember it as the Steve Buscemi season. Mm. We got introduced to uh, Frank Leotardo. Um, we got <laughs> we had some feature, some feature episodes. 
and separated Tony, who I really loved. I love when characters either are separated or they fall off the wagon or my two sweet spots. Ben, this was your favorite season? Yeah, so I think the combination of those things. Number one, Blundetto provided such an amazing wrinkle in Tony's life. It was really, he represented in so many ways uh, the last vestige of humanity that Tony would have. Tony was holding on to regret, which essentially made him kind of human, right? Mm. Because his regret from having the panic attack, and we now we see the justification for him finally working all this stuff out. It was a deep shame that had been there for a very, very long time. That plus the separation from Carmela, the Dalians, or the the thought of a Dalians with Adriana, it's this season represents in a lot of ways Tony fighting for the last little bit of humanity he has, in my opinion, because after that, it's, it's completely and totally gone. Like, he, everybody gets a chance to buy in. Carmella buys back in at some point, and she buys back in. He's off the, the hinges again. Everyone gets a chance to sort of reaffirm who they are in this season, and a lot of the characters allowed them to do that, you know? What do you have, Waz? Favorite? Um, yeah, I would say so. And but I'm I'm partial. We were talking about season four before this, and obviously season five is better because it delivers on more of the drama. There's a lot less fat, right? Like it moves the story along a lot uh more crisp than previous seasons where they take these side roads. But you know, I liked the episode where where Artie is loaning this dude fifty thousand dollars of <laughs> right. Tony's money, and he's talking himself up in the mirror before he goes over there and inevitably gets his ass kicked. Then he blames Tony for the whole episode as he's laying there in the hospital. Like some of the more absurdist, funny stuff is what resonates with me in the show. Obviously, the drama and the violence and all of that speaks to me as well. But it's just the the hilarity of it all. Sometimes like Johnny Sack, like when he's raising his voice and he's calling his boss's kid a disgusting cocksucker, like th that type of stuff resonates with me a lot. So I like season four a lot as well. But season five is just like, it's just perfect TV, especially for drama. Why is Why is just added himself as a Johnny Sack guy? Sales, yes, is I this, am. <laughs> Sales, is this the Tony almost fucked Adriana episode for you, or is this the Tony almost killed Christopher episode for you? Oh, uh, it's the Tony almost fucked Adriana episode. That's that's, that's how I, I feel too. Yeah, and you know, I gotta say, watching this again, and I've done a whole rewatch. I thought they could have milked this. They could have <laughs> milked the sexual attention for multiple episodes. I think there's. God the knows they've get, done it in the past. Oh my God. And freaking I they, underlings. I think it was better that they didn't know. And let, okay, do you, do you want to hear my case. thoughts on this? Yeah, make the case. So I, I'll tell you why it was better than they, that they didn't. Um, I, because for, 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 for me, and that's the, the priest thing is different. The priest basically doesn't have a dick, right? Like yeah. the priest is he's the he's, eunuch he's, in Game of Thrones, basically. He's the eunuch in Game of Thrones, right? So that is going to be all about feelings, all about emotions. You're going to draw around it. The longer the Tony and the Adriana sort of thing goes, for me personally, I felt like the further I would have gotten from Tony's character, they weren't hmm. quite ready to kick the audience away from him quite yet because Tony doesn't only 
flirt with her, he justifies to Chris about why he's not good enough for her and outwardly thinks about what his life would be if he usurped his nephew's uh, fiance and took her for himself. And started like a new the, family with her. And started a new family with her. The moment we go there and the longer that goes, the more I start to want something bad to happen to this guy. And the show was always about putting us on the edge with him to where we understood he was a bad guy, but we're related to him just enough that we rooted mm. for him. And it would have been harder to do the longer that went on for me. Let me ask you something, Van. Um, did you change your mind about Puff Daddy after he started dating Lori Harvey after his son? <laughs> it's, it's totally different. <laughs> it's totally different. It's totally different. I, I don't want to tell you why it's different because I don't want to diss nobody. Okay. But it, 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 it's, it's, totally, it's totally different. I, feel I just wanted to see your face when I asked you that. Sales, what do you think? Did you want a multiple episodes or was 25 minutes good enough for you? I well, it was kind of the whole episode, right? Like, I think this episode is interesting that usually there's a bunch of B and C plots, and this one was just all about this. Like, the entire episode front to back was just about their attraction and the fallout from it. Like, even the Chris stuff is all related to it. Everything in this episode is related to that. I don't know, because I don't know if I, like, need multiple episodes of this. I feel like they kind of hit it all. Um, yeah. Like... The, well, he's like, he's unraveling because the first time we see him in this episode, he's coming out of the bathroom, clearly did coke and runs into bed. Were you surprised at the coke? Because he had, he had never done it as far as I can remember in the show before that. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I wasn't surprised because every now and again, Tony, like, you know, he'll be talking to Christopher and he'll smoke a cigarette. Right. Mm. Like he he indulges in stuff every now and again. And of course, like. Anybody who eats that much, drinks that much, fucks that much, I'm not going to be surprised that they, you know, indulge in other stuff, right? Like, he likes to indulge himself. So that, I don't know, that seemed in step with Tony's character that he might go on a bender that way because he has, yeah. he doesn't, he's so impulsive and he literally has no limitations in his life. He never withholds anything from himself. So I'm not really surprised by well, that. That's why this season six, when he goes off the rails with gambling for an episode, which kind of comes out of nowhere, but it goes to your point. This guy is ready to go off the rails with just about any aspect of his life. I was thinking as I was rewatching this time around, how many takes Gandolfini must have eaten food in where he actually eats? Because there's episodes where like in the season six where Paul is like, they're on the boat and he's like, here, I made you some big ziti. Gandolfini's like, there's no trick editing. He's fucking housing the, the big CD. And by the way, not only is he eating it, he has a way of making food look delicious, but inhaling it at the same time. <laughs> right. Like he's breathing it so hard as he eats, but he's taking, there's one scene I remember, I don't know what he's eating, right? But remember the scene when Jackie Jr. comes into the restaurant and he looks at him, he's like, lose the glasses. Remember when he's trying to tell Jackie Jr. that he didn't kill Richie? Which, yeah. you know, mm. he's eating some pasta and the sound of the fork clinking the pasta as he wraps as he it, twirling up it on yeah. his fork and he's the, the clams and whatever, whatever. I, every time I see that, I'm like, babe, should we get pasta tonight? <laughs> you know what I mean? But and, and the food is like a character in that scene. Like Tony's, but 
like he's manipulating the food as to kind of denote how unimportant Jackie is to him at the point that he's sitting there, you know? Tony eating is kind of like a full body experience, right? Like the sounds yeah. and just like everything, like the, the breathing and just everything about it. Just I've never seen someone make eating such a physical act. <laughs> he's right. He's right. Well, the other thing he does with that is any any scene where Tony gets a blowjob is like this full body spasm. <laughs> <laughs> he kicks his head both ways. Oh, oh, like, oh, yeah. Those ooh, are those ooh. are those are his two things. But yeah, I think Gandolfini put on at least twenty five pounds as he was filming the show. All oh, right, more, so, more, 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 more. Remember, they say he gained sixty pounds to play. God damn! You go, you go back to season one, and he's actually like you know he's a big guy, but he's felt right. Then you yeah. get to season. By the time you get to season five, you're like, oh, he's a big dude. Like even yeah. in this yeah. episode where he takes his shirt off in the back room with the crazy horse, you're like, oh, this is a big. Dude. Well, the oral history book that Jim Miller did, Gandolfini. I mean, he took the role home with them. I, I, I think in a lot of ways, and I. That's one of the interesting things about the rewatch when you're go, doing it fast. He changes. Meadow just becomes a, an adult yeah. woman. And then AJ, obviously, we get, you know, the seven stages of AJ as it goes. So in this episode, it's the, the, the re, one of the reasons it's a Hall of Famer is this is the beginning of the end for Adriana, but also Christopher. This yeah. is it. It all, until this episode, it's, it's hinted a couple of times. And obviously we know Adriana's she's talking to the, she's talking to the FBI. Like we know that's probably not going to end perfectly. We've already seen how that's ended a couple of times, but. He hits her in this episode. He freaks out on her and kicks her out. Um, she's kind of gone. She's past some line where you know now she's probably not making this out of the season leading to the, you know, either the best or the second best episode in the history of the show, Long Term Parking. Um, I think it's a crucial episode for both of them. And I was psyched that they both won the Emmy. Um, with her, though, with Adriana, Drea DeMatteo, De I watched this and I'm just like, she's a fantastic actress. I actually don't understand what happened to her after the show. She did Joey. Joey. I know she yeah. did Joey, but like, <laughs> yeah, like I just, am I crazy to think there should have been more here from a dramatic standpoint? I'll tell you something, Bill. We Go all ahead, know man. what's happening here. You're thinking to yourself, this is absolutely one of the most beautiful people <laughs> on television at the time. And a good actress. And, and a good actress. And by the way, they gave her a lot to do in this season. Mm -hmm. A lot to do. And she nailed it all. And you just wonder when somebody has a full package like that, like, you know, kind of, kind of where they go. But you, you never know how things, it was, that was a, that was a, when you look at that time, there were a lot of young actresses coming out mm. of Hollywood. A lot of people. Um, in the big movie type of situations too. So, you know, maybe she just kind of got lost in the shuffle. The Joey situation was I think the, the Joey thing made. definitely handicapped her a little. Also, I feel yeah. like when you're a quote unquote ethnic white from the Northeast, like they kind of start typecasting you in Hollywood, right? Like they're not going to let her play some woman from Texas or, you know, from Los Angeles or Southern California or something. Like you kind of have to be this Northeastern Italian person. Uh, and I think that's probably what happened to her, too, because, um, yeah, like you, I'm a fan. I think she was in that Jennifer Lopez, Ray Liotta joint, um, mm. Shades of Blue. I forget what. I think it's Shades of Blue, where, like, Ray Liotta's, like, this 
crazy crooked cop. It was like a network drama. I watched it because J-Lo was in it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, and I oh, I do remember that show. I do remember I think, that show. I J-Lo, J-Lo came to TV. Yeah. Well, we talked about this with The Wire, too, I think. And we talked about it when we did the Polly episode. These shows mattered so much and they were so indelible. It was hard to see the characters and other roles. Like I remember I was watching that uh, the kidnapping movie that Halle Berry did when her kid gets kidnapped at the playground and she has to go get him. And at some point, Imperioli's just a random guy who shows up for 20 minutes. And it's just, he's just Christopher. Like you can't kind of separate it. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, even somebody like Edie Falco, she did Nurse Jackie. She did some other stuff, but it was just so hard to separate her from Carmela. I think Gandolfini had that too. Did any sales, did anyone shed it completely or no? God, no major characters. No one is coming to mind. Um, I think of even like Edie Falco. She won Emmys for Nurse Jackie and we still yeah, don't think show. of her that. We, we don't think of her as that. We think of her as Carmela. Like, yeah. when I heard that she was getting cast as Hillary Clinton in the American Crime Story, I was like, oh, that makes sense because Carmela was kind of like a version mm. of, of Hillary yeah. Clinton, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And stand by your man, Justin. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, hey look. Hillary became a senator. Carm got her spec house. It's all kind of right. the same. <laughs> Us Oz fans way back when. I, Dan, were you watching or did you watch belatedly Oz? Oh, I watched it the moment that it came out as a horrified teenager. She was in, <laughs> she was in Oz. She was in had Oz. a really big role in the, first, in the first season. And then the second season was on both shows at the same time. It was fucking weird. Yep. And it was like, that's the Oz lady. Why is she on this show? And this was a thing for HBO for me at the time, right? Yeah. Because Oz came on and she was on Oz and then she was on The Sopranos and then like The Wire came out and it was doing the same thing. There was a bunch of people from The Wire that were from Oz that were on The Wire. Like a lot of them. Michael K. Williams. Yeah, Michael K. Williams. Yeah, um, Everybody, the guy who played Herc or Car- no Carver was on there. You had the Kenny Wangler's character, my man. He they were on there, so there was a bunch of people on there. So I already knew her, but to be honest with you, she did a fantastic job in changing up from she did. Oz to The Sopranos. She was totally different in the two shows. Totally different. Not yes, I agree. With you. A really great actor. Yeah. So this episode. AJ and Tony, it's I think the last episode where they're roommates, which I could have I could have done another couple episodes of just guys coming over to eat pizza with them. It's the last it's the last normal cousin Tony episode. Cause Buscemi goes goes off the rails in episode six. It has the blowjob montage as it becomes a game of telephone with what happened in the car. Did was she giving him a blowjob or not? I love that. Leading to Uncle Junior saying, apparently he came, he came all over the visor. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, One of the funniest moments in the show. It has some great, great, great just scenes. Like the first scene when they're playing the whole dart scene, where it's it, all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, this is looking What's too happening? chummy. What's going on yeah. here? And then she drops the dart and she's kind of down on the floor for the extra three seconds. It's like, wait. What is happening? And yeah. it gets interrupted. That scene's amazing. Um, the the blowjob montage, the the Chris showing up at the strip joint, and 
it's probably still, it's probably his funniest moment of the season where he's, he goes, it's all over. Everyone enjoy the evening. Unhappy oh, customer. <laughs> yeah. When, when he says, you, you know what to do down there over the bullhorn. Right, right. Oh my God. You know who one of the security guards that pulled Christopher out was, right? Who? Was Tony Saragusa. Wow. Oh. Wow. Saragusa was one of the one of the mobbed up little goons who dragged Christopher out when uh, is this is this at the same time as uh twenty fifth hour? I was gonna say that was does some yeah. pretty piss poor acting in that movie. He's in that he's in that movie for about three minutes too long. Well, if you, if you ever had to pick an NFL player that doubled as a mob associate, it would probably well, be Tony Saragusa. Yeah, yeah. right? Definitely Tony. High Garrett. first round pick. You have the uh, Chris attacking Adriana, which is really tough. And they did such a nice job over the course of two and a half seasons where, you know, you just feel so bad for Adriana. They even like, they give her irritable syndrome and diarrhea over the, you know, a couple episodes here, which just, they're just removing even like the part where you think she's attractive. It's like now she's just running in the bathroom to go take a shit, you know, five times an episode. So um, let's talk about that. For, can I say one thing go. about that real quick? Is, do you remember how Chris mocks her about that? Yeah. So the episode does something really subtle to where Chris is they to where they show that Tony actually appreciates her. <laughs> you know what I mean? To where they show Tony actually appreciates her. He thinks of her as more than what Christopher does. Like Yeah, he connects with her on it, mentions his mother, how she had it too. Yeah, while while Chris is making fun of her. And that plans to see for something that I didn't expect to see in the episode, which is not Tony's attraction to her. Every man in the show is attracted to her, but her attraction to him, which is at least hinted at at the show. Well, Whatever he, would have happened. And he explains it to Melfi. He says her father ran out on her when she was young. I was like, whoa, that's some new information. Never that mm-hmm. I don't sales, they they never mentioned that before, right? I don't think I don't think directly, no. But there's yeah. her mother. Her mother is in the series throughout. There's no mention of a father. Yeah, so. and her mom is is single. Like you know, there's a scene one time where she's giving the mom dating advice, like, "Oh, don't call mm. him again. He's obviously bad for you." Like it's obvious that the mom basically had to raise her by them by herself because they got like this buddy buddy relationship. But yeah, like Tony. Being into her makes sense, right? Like, she's obviously, she's Italian. She's clearly comfortable with how these mobsters move. Like, she's beautiful. Like, it, it makes all the sense that he would be into her. Well, you also, this is one of my favorite TV devices, the the cheating episode where there's not actually cheating. Oh, man. It's like mental cheating. A line's <laughs> been crossed, even though no line has been crossed. And they do, I mean, this has happened in a lot of shows. There's some long Because looks. we know. We know. We the know. The viewer knows. We know. We know. We know what's going on in these people's heads. They really fucked in the car. Junior's yeah. really right. We know. But it just didn't happen. The deer probably saved lives. What's going on in Dover? Why was the cocaine in Dover? Is it, sales, what was the, what's the geography here? Oh God, I I don't I don't I don't. You wrecked every episode. You don't have a Sopranos map. Well, I don't. Yeah, you know, I, I I just is, don't know is Delaware Dover that supposed well. to be Delaware? D- yeah, D- Dover's in Delaware, so it's like it's right over. Oh. I mean, Delaware is a state that borders New Jersey. Um, at Man, the that's a pretty far part. ride for cocaine. Yeah, it just seems he like... He owns a strip joint. He can't get cocaine. Like, well, on, that's what they man. said. They, remember, he said Cross-Eyed Billy has already left the Bing, so they had to go to they had to go to Dover. I think like the whole idea was to get them in a place 
that like when the car crash happened, there like was no, why the hell are you down there? Right, yeah. way, like, way away from home. Like if they crashed on the turnpike, they could just say we were like we, I was driving her home, you know. But yeah. like because it was Dover, something had to be going on. And that leads to this great moment where when Chris first lo- learns the news, he tries to rationalize it really quickly, and he's like, Ah, yeah, she's got an aunt that's really sick. That Tony knows. They must have been out there. Is Tony okay? Yeah. Two no, in the I think morning. he was lying. Oh, he definitely I, was I, lying. I think he was lying to <laughs> throw those guys off the scent because, man, there are certain things about the Sopranos. But one thing that always crosses and, and translates is just the toxic, boneheaded way that men are. Because, like, man. that conversation to where those guys are looking at Chris and are insinuating that with their emotions that Tony was having sex with Adriana. <laughs> You've either been on one side of that conversation. Yeah. Either your either your boys would be like, hey, bro, hey man, cool. You seen you seen Shanine? Right. <laughs> we saw her. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? And like, and, so and then, and then there's knows. dudes, you never want to come out and say it because dudes always want to avoid hard conversations, right? So <laughs> we can just in, insinuate it and just leave it, just let it, let it be there. You know what the hell I'm talking about. We don't even need to address this head on. Well, it's also Chris's worst nightmare. What, what yeah. I love, what I love about it though is like, Chris doesn't even, he seems more upset by people thinking it happened than whether it actually happened. Like Absolutely. Every, everything he says is like, you know, when when he's beating her up and it's horrific, but even in the middle of it, he's like, everybody knows about it. Everyone's talking about it. The surgeon says, um, Georgie says, the surgeon said, you were moaning his name on the operating table. She didn't even have an operation. You know, yeah. she was just in the hospital. Right. Yeah, and, and you know what that is too? It's like so much of this world is about pretension and keeping up appearances. Like they do the, the sham dinner at a certain point in the right. episode, but a lot of the life is about how things look when like, you know, it's like, yo, Tony, a, ball, a Don doesn't wear shorts at a barbecue. Like so much of it is about image making and mm. how things are supposed to look a certain way. And so you understand why Christopher is like so obsessed with this because um, he looks crazy. Well, he has the one great line. He does the and now I look like Joe Jerkoff. Right. <laughs> Joe, Jer- Joe Jerkoff, who became the Joe coach Jer- of the Giants oh. for two years, I think. Do, do, do you know what? Do you know what? Uh, do you know what I think about the dinner? I think the dinner is the realest thing about this whole episode. The I think putting on the public the, face. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's the most intentional thing in the episode. Almost everything in the episode that happens is an accident, either, either a lucky one or an unlucky one. The only time in the episode that they actually come together and be like, yo, because even Tony going to Carmela and being like, please do this for me. That was everybody almost surrendering to the lifestyle that they're in and making the decision to do it. Everything else, even the fact, even like Hill Harper's amazing cameo in this, like a a different doctor might have totally freaked the fuck out or whatever. They just happen to get the right type of pretentious guy that is more about having that conversation with Blundetto than anything else, right? So much in this episode is just bad luck or misfortune. The one thing that the characters do control at the end is the fact that they have to clean it all up. Well, he calls him Soriano, so I don't think he was too familiar with the mafia family. Was uh, Dover. Van, do, Dover. Do you still, <laughs> yeah, true. Ben, do you still keep in touch with Cross-Eyed 
Bobby or no? Cross-eyed Billy or cross-eyed Bobby? Was it? Billy. I don't keep it. Cross-eyed, cross-eyed let, Billy. I'll let Why those did we get a story arc with cross-eyed Billy? <laughs> I'm really we, disappointed. Couldn't we have spent yeah. 15 minutes with him just, just finding out why he had the nickname cross-eyed Billy? Um, this scene culminates in the we think Tony's going to shoot Christopher outdoors. It's filmed like Mystic River style almost. And the voice of reason ends up being Cousin Tony in one of his last lucid moments. There's this alternate universe where he's just the voice of reason guy for much longer than just five episodes. But the show makes the decision in the next episode to kind of have him break. Why, Sales, why did they make him break halfway through the season? Because I think like the ultimate point of Tony, besides how it relates to Tony Soprano, the ultimate point of Tony B was... Like, it's kind of the same thing that happened with Vito in season six, where it's just this life pulls you back in. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. escape this life. Like, even somebody like Tony B, who's clearly much more intelligent than these guys, he still gets pulled back Mm -hmm. in. What I really like about this episode, when I was rewatching this last night, what I was thinking was, is there an alternate universe in which Tony B ends up the boss? Like, if he Mm. never goes to prison and, like, would things be better or worse, right? Like, he's obviously also very impulsive, as we see throughout the rest of the season. He's just as impulsive as Tony Soprano. And he's maybe not as savvy, but he's certainly a lot more intelligent. And, like, would things be a lot different for that family? Like, would the business be better? Would they be better run? We had a 168 IQ. Which I, don't think it's, I don't think it's possible, but somehow Tony thought that was true. What do you think, Van? Could he? Could Tony B have run the business? So there's a difference between Tony and him. Is that uh, you know Tony? We we see Tony flash out, right? Um, but I, I think when we see Tony flash out, there's a little bit. Tony only flashes out on people he knows he can flash out on. Tony sees angles on. Tony will kill Ralphie in his house. Because he knows he can kill Ralphie in the house, right? He knows he can do that. Tony B is really a gangster. He might be the biggest gangster that was from the New Jersey crew, if you ask me. He was smart. He was um, he was sure of himself. Remember when and, when, and he was very understated. He's to me like a throwback mobster almost. Remember mm. when, when he's going back and forth with Tony and Tony's yelling at him and he doesn't yell back. He goes, you're crowding me. He just tells him very slyly, you're crowding me. Like, give me some space. Like, I, I, you know I love you, but back the fuck up. I think that he was a mobster out of time to me. I think he was more of a throwback to the way things used to be done. Having said that, I think he probably whacks a couple of people too many before he gets to be the boss. I think he ends up killing the wrong guy. For like and gets whacked before, before the whack. Yeah. If he does become the boss, though, they are infinitely better off. Of course. Like, he's he's smarter. He's more understated. Um, uh, and he's also, in ways, more human. In, yeah, in is, ways, to- he's is more Tony human. a good boss is a, is a good kind of lingering question with this show. It seems like <laughs> any negotiation, his offer is always just, all right, we'll give you 25%. He starts, starts with the same number every time, no matter what. It's just his default. Um, over and over again, he puts the wrong people around him. If for some reason doesn't seem to recognize the veto thing in in season six is, you know, I don't think he's a bad boss. But calling him a good boss would seem like a crazy stretch. And I think a lot of the point of Tony B too is just to contrast and be like, look, this like it, just by dumb luck, kind of 
that Tony Soprano happens to be the boss of this family. He could have ended up in jail yeah. and where a lot of his behaviors would not have been rewarded. <laughs> you right. know, like the federal penitentiary or even on the state level, whatever, county level, you don't really get, like, it makes, it changes you in ways. And like, you see how it changed Tony B and you see how, you know, staying out, becoming the knighted one um, and ultimately becoming a boss of his family, how it's affected Tony's life where he just, he just thinks he could take and have everything that he ever wants at every single moment. Um, it's just hilarious, man, to, to watch in this episode, like there's just so many, so many good moments. Like when Carmela throws the, the pizza at him, and he picks, picks it, it back up. <laughs> the, the food moments in this episode. <laughs> the food moments in this episode are great. There's that, and there's yeah. Christopher throwing the sandwich at Vito. <laughs> right. <laughs> which comes right. back. Where, but where, by where, the way, <laughs> which is also a great moment as well, because when Tony is talking to Chris and he basically t- turns the tables on him, it just shows you like the mind rape. <laughs> that Tony has been pulling all in this dude yeah. the entire freaking series. Even back to like, quote unquote, giving him his his father's hitman, right? Like, yeah. oh, this is the dude that killed your father. But really it's like, I just want to have something on you, right? Like he's just been mind raping Chris from the beginning. Like when he's like, oh, I need a, I need a successor. Chris is like, no, I want to be 10 steps away from the Fed so that if anything happens, you'll be the one that takes the fall. Like, this episode does a lot of that that stuff too. Just like Tony is a horrific guy. Mm. Justin, do you realize how mad you gotta be to throw a sandwich at somebody? That scene is so funny. <laughs> that sandwich, like, I, I'm like, like you, Chris comes, he's got the sandwich. No, I want to know what the big joke is. All, <laughs> he takes a fully made it was sandwich his lunch. and throws it at me. It's like a football. <laughs> then he calls him a parade float. Just a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal moment. Um, yeah, the, um, wow. So what you were saying about um, the way that Tony Soprano treats Christopher, the moment where Chris goes into the back room of the Bing and Tony's scraping the dog shit out of his loafers, and then he's just like, "Here, can you toss this in the can?" That is like actually the most alpha shit that I can possibly imagine. Like ever, if that, bro. If that were me and you know, someone that I care deeply about thought that I had hooked up with their fiance, I would not approach it like that. I would yeah. approach it with like, I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, it's fucked up. It doesn't look like that, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I love you. Like that's not what Tony Soprano does. Tony Soprano may think these things for a split second. I don't know if he does, but his reaction <laughs> is, how am I going to assert my power over this situation? Yeah. And it's by making him throw out literal dog shit. And it's just, that's why I'm not a mafia boss for many reasons, but that's one of them. Yeah, I think Tony. Absolutely. I think Tony got canceled. If he had stayed alive, he would have been canceled in the last five years for some of his indiscretions. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have been into some, uh, into some trouble. So this is a crucial, crucial episode. In general, this, this season, the feature, like the, those first four episodes are kind of the, the starters we get to introduce, but from, from here on, it just goes, it's just humming from that point on. Um, we forgot to mention Jesus Christ. She's a good looking woman and she wants to fuck Barney Rubble with, <laughs> with the FBI person. Just a brutal cut down by the uh, random 
How did you guys feel about the uh, blank-faced FBI lady who was trying to get information out of Adriana, that acting performance? Hated her. I, hate I, I was never worse. Like, never she's on board one of with my her. least favorite characters in the whole show. Me too. What do you guys as, think? As I, I hated her as much as I loved the first Patsy L- H, uh, the Danielle. Oh, Danielle! Yeah, she was I good. I loved Danielle her. Chikalala. Super good. Danielle Chikalala. Yeah, I think it's 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 weird to have somebody who, all right, you want to get stuff out of me, but yet you're treating me like absolute shit. Like that doesn't yeah. that doesn't seem to make sense. You're supposed to build a rapport. There's supposed to be a. There's no carrot with this woman. It's all stick. Right. And and that's what makes her character a little bit empty. Like if you have any savvy and you're good at your job and you're going to get this woman to help you, of course, there's the stick of like, we're the feds. We can lock you up for the rest of your damn life if we so please. But there's also got to be enticements there. And this woman is never offering any enticements. They treat Adriana as bad as anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And Adriana was kind of t- not savvy enough to. Realized she had some out. Which, again, another Christopher fuck up, by the way. Like, if that's your girl, that is your, you know, the person you live with, the person you spend the most time with, that you never give her a speech, a sit down about, this is exactly what you do when the cops come and pick you up. It's just like, you're an idiot. Like, that Carmella would never do any of this shit. Like, nobody who you know, these guys cared about and had in their lives would behave in the way Adriana did. And to me, that's a direct reflection on Chris. I'm, I, I gotta be honest with you about something about that. Of all the things I like about the show, I never saw Adriana flipping as believable. Mm. Like, it, it, never. I never saw it as believable. Like, because you know what you're right, Van, because even when, like, when, when, um, Freaking Jackie Jr. dies and his sister's like, yeah, like, you know what the vibes is. Like, this is the family business, blah, blah, blah. Metal's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why you would talk like that in front of um in front of strangers. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you're right. It, it feels like everybody's in on the game except for her. It's, it's like you, you see a lot of the other reasons because they're multiple guys. Tony's crew is a sieve. Yeah. Right? Like you see, you see multiple guys in the New Jersey crews flip, and you all know the reasons why they flip. And like, like you know, those are guys that were looking at real major time and had all these political reasons why they would flip. For her to flip uh, in that situation and never even talk to Christopher about that, like I understand that has never, ever, ever on every rewatch I've ever done, it has never made sense to me. I think it's like, no, no, go ahead. My bad, man. No, 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 my bad. Um, I think on some level they set up like how naive she is and I can see it on that level. But at the same time, this is Richie Aprile's niece. And like, it just doesn't make sense to me that like Richie Aprile's niece does not know how the game goes enough that she would do this. Can I give you my number one? Does not make sense to me? What? Watching this a lot of episodes in a row. So multiple people just disappear, right? Big Pussy disappears. Richie Aprile disappears. Adriana disappears. Um, Tony B disappears. Ralphie. Ralphie. There's five major characters that just disappear. Yeah. You would think like this, like at the ringer, like if Chris Ryan one day was just gone, like, where's Chris? (laughs) I'm like, Chris had a fight with his wife. He left. 
You, have you <laughs> talked to him? No. And it just, just kind of drop it. We're never, and Chris Ryan was just gone. And then that was it. And I'd be like, what happened to Chris? And a year later, and we just never, I feel like we would talk about that still. And on this <laughs> show, these people just leave and nobody says anything from that point on. There's, there's never any, where's Wallace string? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know what's funny? Is you're bringing that up and it doesn't make sense to the ringer, but that's how they used to do it at TMZ. <laughs> just be off the show. And like, they would never refer to that person ever again, ever. So maybe we but were I'm like, saying the, that person's like, like not online. Person. They're not tweeting. Oh, they, yeah. Like, I see what you mean. Like, they're, they're gone. Literally, yeah. they're, there's no trace of the person and nobody has seen them since they left <laughs> up sales as you have a take on this. I have to defend Chris Ryan's honor. I think Chris Ryan could stand up and do the time. I don't think he'd flip. I don't think you have to worry about this with Chris. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, all right. We're going to go, but who won this episode? Oh. <laughs> what do you got, Sales? Who's the winner? Christopher, Adriana, or Tony? Uh, I have to pick one of them? You got to go yeah. with Tony. If you gotta, if I have to pick one of those three, you got to go with Tony. No, I, mean, I mean, like performance, impact, whole thing. Who's the best best character in the episode? I think this is a great... I think this is one of the great Adriana episodes. I think, like, performance-wise, like... Tip. I think I think you got to go with her. Every, everything about Adriana's he, episode he, is phenomenal. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, he's right. I thought the same. She was incredible. All right, that's it for the Prestige TV pod. Van Waz Sales, good to see you as always. Check out Sales's uh, Sopranos rankings as well. You can just find them on the Ringer, on the Ringer Google Sopranos rankings. The Ringer. This show shouldn't have been twenty first. <laughs> Thanks, to Jesse Lopez, for producing. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.